Please rise for the reading of God's Word as we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, through the book of John. If you need a Bible, raise your hands. Raise your hands if you need a Bible. We are in John chapter 11, verse 5. I'm going to be reading a lot throughout the message this morning, but I'm just going to read these two verses. We read them last week, spent a lot of time with them. Going to start with them this morning. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name uh, that we can just come here and celebrate. Yes, Lord, uh, things haven't changed. You are the light of the world, and then you turn around and say to us, that we're the light of the world. And, and Lord, uh, some of us come in with a light brightly shining this morning. Others, it's dim. And Lord, I just pray that um, by the time every man and woman walks out of here, our lights are shining because of the truth of your word activating in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So again, we began here last week in John chapter 11. It's now here in John chapter 11. These events about four months before Jesus goes into Jerusalem where he will be arrested and crucified. The setting for this chapter, Bethany. Bethany is a town about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Verse 1 says Bethany was the town of Mary and Martha. God looks at Boston and he sees it's the town of, of Mike, of the town of Brooke, the town of Sue, of Andrew, of Josh. In verse 3, it says that Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus was sick. In verse 4, Jesus gets the word that Lazarus is sick and he says this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And so last week, then we came to these extraordinary verses, and they truly are. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. To the natural man, that makes no sense. What do you mean he loved Mary, he loved Martha, and he loved Lazarus, so he stayed two more days after hearing he was sick? If he loved them, he should go immediately, right? Because in addition to everything that Jesus was, he was truly the great healer, right? We know, everyone in here knows that about Jesus. You may not know a whole lot about Jesus, but you know about his miracles. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 40, it says of Jesus, um, it says, all those who had any, underline that word, any, although you're not Luke right now, but that they were sick, 
All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Every one of them. Any that were sick healed every one of them. It, it, it says. So, so Mary and Martha, well familiar with that. Jesus says uh, that he loved them, therefore he waited. He waited knowing that by waiting, Lazarus would die. He waited knowing that by waiting, Mary and Martha would be going through the heart-wrenching experience of seeing their brother die, of weeping, over his lifeless body, of having to deal with that numbing, gnawing, gut-wrenching sense of loss. He waited, knowing that they would be going through those things as a result. Verse 32 says this, Skip down to verse 32. You just get a glimpse of that. It says, then when Mary came where Jesus was, this is eventually where Jesus showed up. Lazarus by this time is dead. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You know, don't read this verse and say, you know, Lord, you know, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. That's not how it went. I was drooling with emotion. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, so you get, you get a picture of... Uh, that that emotion there, a picture of it. So uh, again, in verses five and six, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was in the place where he was. Uh, and, and so why did he do it? It says in the verse 4, it says that Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Mary and Martha would see the glory of God in such a way that otherwise they will never experience. And, and this, is, this is a hard saying. It, it really is. But if you get it, if your heart embraces this, if you allow it to become what you live and you breathe on planet Earth, it will radically change your life. What John is saying is that it was more loving for Jesus to let Lazarus die and allow Mary and Martha to go through this, this awful pain and loss than to have gone to Lazarus immediately and heal him. Now, why? Because love, more than anything else, is doing whatever it takes for people to see God's glory. You will not see this definition of love 
anywhere outside the Bible or in the world or in any religion or, or, or philosophy. Love, more than anything else, is doing whatever it takes for people to see God's glory. Why? Because nothing brings people more joy when they experience God in all his glory. And so offering, often it's through suffering that they see the glory in his fullness. Look at the book of Jude, verse 24. This, is ta- this says, Now to him who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Why do they have exceeding joy? Because they see his glory. They wouldn't, Mary and Martha wouldn't have seen his glory if Jesus had come to them immediately. They wouldn't have had the, the exceeding joy. First Peter chapter 4, verse 13 says this, when his glory, when God's glory is revealed, you will also be glad with exceeding joy. So the, the great deception that has robbed so many in the body of Christ of joy is the deception that joy is always found in avoiding loss. If I keep my health that is failing me, if I keep these relationships which are crumbling around me, if I keep this job, if I can hold on to this financial security, if I can get that job, if I can get that piece of property, that house, whatever, I can hold on to my joy. Or better yet, I can find joy because I really don't have it right now. That's a deception many times. Doesn't mean we take those things to God and cry out for them. Doesn't mean that for a second. He wants to be brought into everything. But it's a great deception that our joy is always found in keeping what we got or getting what we don't have. And yes, sometimes it's, it's, it's losing our, our health or the health of a loved one, or the life of a loved one. Sometimes it's that. That's what we see in this chapter. Hmm. So this week, on Monday night, I received a call from a woman who asked me to come and join her in court because her son had been murdered a couple of years ago in a gang hit. And she wanted me to come and, and just be with her in this very trying experience. And man, if, if you can think of any other situation where you're going, why, 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 it's this one, a 17-year-old who some of us in this room knew well, he was part of our inner city outreach, he's been in this church many times, gets murdered in a gang hit. So I just sat there for three and a half days and just saw all the madness and the craziness firsthand. I mean, it was such a valuable experience for me. It just gets me angry, not at the kids, not at the defendants, 
But for the grace of God, go I. But just for the, 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 the lies and the deception and the, man, yeah, guns is what's going to give me identity. Guns. That's what's going to give me identity. And, 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 and intimidation is going is to give me my identity. And, and, and just a, a family of, uh, uh, you know, I don't have my own family, so I'm going to get my identity from a bunch of others uh, who, who have their guns and have their violence. And just a craziness there. the gang associated with the defendants show up and basically no one shows up <laughs> except for a couple people who are friends or family of, of the deceased. But could it be, could it be that the, those, two, those two boys, yeah, they're boys, they're, they're kids, who are going to be spending the next 20 years in prison, they were convicted, guilty, could it be that this is an opportunity for them to see the glory of God? Because <laughs> let me tell you, you're not going to get it any other way sometimes in these places. So people are making statements this Tuesday. They're going to be back in court on Tuesday. You can pray about this. People are going to be making statements to them. And under the law, they have rights. The family has a right to make a statement to them, could it be that someone will express or tell them, I forgive you? That's the glory of God. You can pray, please pray, pray, pray please, <laughs> that that would happen this Tuesday. Pray for the conversations I'm going to have leading up to it. Could it be that those two, two, two young men who are going to spend the next 20 years in prison will see for the first time something they've never seen before, the mercy and forgiveness of God? Could it be? <laughs> what is the glory of God? The glory of God is that part of God that when you see it, you are left awestruck. You are struck with awe, the glory of God. You see the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, and you're blown away. Or as the Apostle Peter put it, we already saw it, you're glad with exceeding joy. These two kids are not going to see it any other way, except like something like this happens. There may be five years into their prison sentence. I don't know if it's going to happen this week. Maybe five years into their prison sentence, maybe 10 or 15 before them and the family around them and, even, and, and, and the family of the victims see the glory of God. But, but that, that's what I'm praying for. I'm, I'm praying that, that everyone involved here, especially those two young men, are going to be glad with exceeding joy when they see the forgiveness of God for the first time. How does God love you? By doing whatever it takes to bring you to the place of exceeding joy. You know, we come to the place of exceeding joy when we experience the glory of God, meaning the forgiveness of God, the power of God, the grace of God, the love of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, 13, again, it says, when his glory is revealed, you will also be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 5, again, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. 
in the place where he was. So let's move on. Verse 7 says, Then after this, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again, meaning he's going to go to Lazarus. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, meaning kill you, and are you going there again? Verse 9 says, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Uh, meaning that if you walk in the light of Christ, you're in the safest place that you could possibly be. You're in the safest place in the world. You can be in the roughest, toughest, murder-prone place in, in Boston, in Haiti, or in Brazil. There's different places that people in this church go to. You are in the safest place in the world because you're in the light of God and that light protects you. That's what he's saying to them. Verse 10 says, but if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. So then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. So he'd been dead four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. So here's what we're going to see next. We're going to see the response of three people who don't get that. They don't get what? They don't get that God loves them, and so he allows them to go through suffering. They don't get it. And we're going to see three people with three different kinds of reactions and, and Jesus responding in three different ways. Man, I just love the word of God. It just covers it all. So, person number one. Who is it? Shout it out. Anyone? Martha. Martha. It's Martha. All right. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, here's person number one, doesn't get it yet. She will. As soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have Died. In other words, Jesus, you call this love? <laughs> you call this love? This is love? How? In what way? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let's see how Jesus responds, verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, 
your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? And so uh, Jesus, uh, again, he says, your brother will rise again. Martha says, I know he will, uh, be in the, uh, he will rise in the final resurrection. What she's referring to there is the promise in the Bible that when Jesus returned, when he comes back, he will give us new bodies, glorified bodies, body with no pain, no sickness, and no sin. It's a promise in the Bible. You're not going to be, ha- you're not going to have to, you're not going to have any more. You're going to get a new body with no pain, not all those aches and pains, but even worse, just the darkness and the sin. There's none of that. She thinks he's referring to that. Says, I know, I know. Someday Lazarus is good, you know, he's going to be raised in the final resurrection. What, what does Jesus say? He says, no, you don't understand. You don't have to wait. You, it's interesting, he's dealing with her before he even gets to Lazarus, who's dead. He's dealing with her. And this is so often when someone dies, you're, you're dealing with a family. You've you got to deal with them. There's nothing you, you can do about the dead anymore. You can de- speak to the living, not the dead. You're dealing with, that, with her first. And he says, you don't have to wait. You can have the resurrection life now. You can have the abundant life now. You don't have to wait until you die. You can have it now. So, so it's so important that you all understand this, and I'm speaking my own heart now. You're coming to Jesus. It's not just about buying fire insurance for when you die. In fact, it's exactly the opposite, really. John the Baptist said of Jesus, I baptize with water. He, Jesus, will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with what? Fire. Coming to Jesus, you get the fire right then. Right, the fire of God. You get it right then, inside of your life, the fire of God. That's how Jesus responds to Martha. You can have the abundant life now. You can have the eternal life now. So because you have the eternal life now, when you open up your heart and say, Jesus, come in and take over every single piece of my life. That's what salvation is. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. What does Lord mean? It, it means he's in charge of every single piece of your life. <laughs> if you do that and you let him in, you have eternal life now. And guess what that means? It means when you stop breathing, you are still alive. You do not die. The physical body may start to decay, but you go um, absent from the body is present with the Lord. You do not die. Okay. Very different thing takes place with Mary. She's a very different person, very different response. 
Verse 28, when she, Martha, had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you, Mary. Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, this is love, Jesus? How? In what way? If you had been here, my brother, he would not have died. He would not have died. And, you know, I just read it wrong. I mean, it was filled with emotion. Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus' response, very different to Mary. Verse 33, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And when he said, and then he said, where have you laid him, meaning Lazarus? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. It's a very different response to Mary. Now, remember, Mary is a very different personality than Martha. We'll see that in chapter 12. Martha is who? Who's Martha? Some of you should be raising your hands. I know, you're Martha's. There's Martha right there. Remember, Martha is the no-nonsense Martha. Life is black and white. No shades of gray. There's a job to do here. Give me the plan to get it done, and I'll be happy. And so what does Jesus say to her? He says, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. You can have me now. And she gets it. That is not going to work with a Mary. That's not, Mary's a very different person. She lives in the shades of gray. Any Marys in here? Okay, that's me. Anyone else want to raise your hand? She lives in the shades of gray, and what she needs to hear from Jesus' heart is not, she, rather, she needs to hear not from Jesus' lips, but from his heart. <laughs> she needs to hear from Jesus' heart. So that Bible verse is not going to do it with her. She needs to hear his heart, and how does Jesus do that? He weeps. Some of you have never experienced God weeping over you. And it's because, and I know this because this is what I'm like, you try to take your weeping away from God, try to hide it from him, rather than what Mary did. What, did, what does it say Mary did? It says she rose and ran to meet him. You've got to take your weeping right into the heart of God. It says of David in the Old Testament, he was a man after God's own heart. For years, I didn't know what that meant. What does it mean? It means he goes right into the heart of God and he just dumps himself there. That's what she does. And what did she hear in return? 
weeping. You will too. The Bible says that earlier in this chapter, what did Jesus say? He said, I and the Father are one, meaning God's response is the same. It's his weeping, I mean, you will, by that, you, you will experience his grace. You will experience this, 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 I don't know what you call it, feeling, sensation, whatever, where you understand that God knows where you're at and he is grieving too. And that's who Mary is. Response, person number three. Person number three who doesn't get it. Actually, before moving on. So Mary at first didn't get it yet, but then after the weeping, because she knows exactly what it means to be loved by Jesus. Sometimes it's waiting and experiencing glory right there. Now, the third response. It says in verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him, meaning Lazarus. Jesus loved Lazarus. Some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? This is response number three. You say person number three, it's people number three is, is really what it is. And it's, it's again, it's, it's really, it's, it's the same thing. It's, this is love? How is this love? If this guy loved, if this man Jesus loved Lazarus, he would, he would have been here? How does Jesus respond to these people? People number three, person number three. It says in verse 38, then Jesus again groaning in himself came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. It's good. It smells. His body's been dead for four days. For he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that you, rather that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44, and he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him, but... Some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. So, the response to Martha, no nonsense. I am the resurrection and the life. The response to Mary, weeping. His response to the unbelieving crowd, power. Don't you love it? Power. The power of God. 
It says, some see that glory there. Again, Jesus loved Mary and Martha, so he waited two days. They see the glory, and it says their hearts embrace the glory of God. It says in verse 45, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some don't. It says, some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. In other words, to be a part of eventually seizing Jesus and putting him out of the way. Some see the glory of God and their heart embraces it. Some are open to God. They're open to God. They're open that, yes, there's a God and, and he's involved in my life and, and I just want to see, I don't understand what I'm in front of my eyes, but God, there's got to be something here, show me. He shows them and they believe, they see his glory. But others, their hearts are closed. They don't understand the circumstances. And even with a great show of power, they don't embrace the glory of God. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. Someone who's an unbeliever, and I pray for them, or someone prays for them, or something happens for them, and God makes himself so real in their life. But they walk away. I'm not so sure I saw that. And they just, they don't embrace it. They just go on with their own lives. I'm going to call the worship team up at this time. Three responses that we see to, by Jesus to three different people. And, you know, I just, I, I, I just think it's incredible this is incredible pictures that, that, you know, God knows who you are. He knows you are who you are, and he, he knows what response you need. He knows that. So I want to do something different at this time. I want to do, do, I, I do something different. I want us all to stand. If you can stand now, I'm going to close in prayer. We're not going to have any, any prayer partners up here uh, this morning. And with, with the message in mind, with John chapter 11 in mind, that you know there's a certain person who needs to see the power of God. There's another person that needs to see God weeping. There's another person who just needs a no-nonsense response. I want you to pray for the person next to you. And don't... I, I don't want, what I don't want you to do is ask them what they need. I just want you to, to pray for them. You can put your hands on them. If you're from New England, we don't do that, so keep your, you know, keep your hand by your side. And if you see someone who's not being prayed for, grab them. But as the worship team begins right now, I just want to start praying and, and just... Pray for that thing. Just be, ask God for help and just pray for that thing. Does this person need the weeping? Do they need the no-nonsense? Do they need the wisdom? Just like a clear word from you. Or do, they need to see, or do they need to see a show of power? So let's do that. We can, if, you have, if you need to move around the room a little, if you see someone somewhere, do that. But uh, 
you know, pray for each other. And, and, and if you're visiting, hey, I, I get it. And so you're like, well, why did he weird out on me at the end of the sermon here? I was really liking this until now. But, you know, I, I get it. I, I've been there. I, I get that. But uh, this is how God makes himself real in your life. So let's, let's begin. I'm going to pray and pray, closing prayer. Let's begin to pray. Father, I just pray that you help us in this time, that your spirit would come to us right now, Lord, and guide us as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely come.